The following episode of Fofop is classified MA. It contains some coarse language, some nudity, drug references, a sex scene, time travel, terrible Batman impersonations, a Charlie Clausen pronounced Clausen shaped hole, and mild coarse language. Fofop advises that the program is not suitable for persons under the age of 15, and minors must be accompanied by an adult guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax. This is Topop. Ironically, I'm not relaxed. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Fofop. I'm Will Anderson and uh, very exciting. Always love when I have a new person on the podcast. Uh, today's guest Charlie I have been working with all weekend at uh, Comedy on State in Madison which is a brilliant club and this guy is fucking dead set hilarious funny uh been blowing away the audiences every night but uh myself as well like I've been sitting and watching his uh, act every single night and it's so dense and so layered and there's so many funny sort of asides and lines in it that it's uh, worth watching on repeat because you pick up something new every time uh, so enough sucking up here he is uh, today's <laughs> guest Charlie first time guest Charlie Jeff Akuri how are you mate? great man how are you doing now tell let's let's uh, introduce you to the audience a little bit sure. first um, uh, how long have you been doing stand up for uh, five and a half years you're a little bit too fucking good to be honest oh and- thanks <laughs> <laughs> it's all I it's all I know. It's all I want to do. So that's my focus well, on it. Okay, so tell me a little bit about your story then. Did you always want to be a stand-up comedian? Where do you come from? Like what you, I mean, we only met this weekend. Yeah. So so and I don't really know much of this stuff about you. So cool. tell me a little bit about you. Uh, well, I started. I lived in New York till I don't know if you want to get from the beginning. Uh, no, but, I'm fr- from when you okay, cool. Born, if you want, <laughs> uh, there's, there's no rules. Yeah, <laughs> we've, I, got a, we've got an hour. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. <laughs> Um, I started, I, I lived in New York till I was about, uh, 15 and then we moved to Michigan because there was a falling out with my dad and his family's business, which was his grandfather. And that's a whole big thing oh, uh, in right. itself. Yeah. Uh, and we can talk about that too. It's, it's actually kind of interesting. He, he, so what was the family business? Tell me Flowerama. This. Oh, I shouldn't know if I should say. <laughs> what, what, I don't know if I should of, say. what sort it was, of business is it? What style That's like of half business? the title. Uh, it, it was a, uh. <laughs> A bridal business where literally you walk in. It was in Queens. They had so many locations where you uh-huh. walked into one of them and you said, I'm having a wedding. And they planned it from the photography to the dresses to the flowers to the travel agency to videography, everything. This is in the you know, now, 70s and 80s. Now, did things go wrong when uh, Mr. Sheffield came in and met the nanny and took her? She what? was working at a bridal shop. Do you remember the nanny? Do you no. remember that oh, the, oh, the, oh, yeah. Okay. The yeah, okay. Mr. Sheffield. Yeah. I, yeah, I, now I, I believe yeah. In, the, in the opening credit. It wasn't the song. She was working in a bridal shop in Flushing, Queens. Yes. Yes. Oh, my God, actually. <laughs> I think I think my dad might have employed Fran Drescher yeah, for a while. That was a big break. <laughs> it might have been her. Okay, um, so they were brought. Yeah, like a fool to go if you're going to get married. Uh, you know, you is, go in there. You go yeah. in there, and, and this it was like everything shop. down to like where they made the dresses, they made tuxedos, things like that. Right. They had their own, um, all these different locations, all these places. And um, the funny thing is is I don't know the full story of the falling out. Uh-huh. It's kind of one of those things that like, you know, I knew my grandfather. I didn't have any problems with him, but there were problems with the family and stuff. Yeah. And it's kind of like, you know how you have a bill due 
and you don't want to pay it, so you just kind of ignore it, and you're right. like, I'm just not going to acknowledge that in my head. And that's kind of, I never really got the full story, except, like, he actually just died, my grandfather, and my dad didn't even go to his funeral. Wow. Because he wasn't invited, and he didn't know about it till like, three days later. Yeah, <sighs> that's how messed up it was. I mean, that's a big falling out. Yes, yeah. In, uh, in the bridal business. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's a tough biz. It's a tough biz. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, it goes bridal business, mafia. Yes. <laughs> then. Yeah. <laughs> Well, he, uh, yeah, so basically. So you guys moved. So where, yeah. where did you move to? Uh, Michigan. Now, why Michigan? Because my mom's family lived in Michigan. My mom okay. and dad met on a cruise oh. uh, in the 70s, and then they got married like six months later, and then they had three kids. But then they, my mom moved to New York, and my dad was in the family business, and they were doing really well. We were like well off for most of, until I was about 14, 15, and then the 2008 hit or the economy really started going downward so my grandfather sold from what i know sold my dad's division and was like bye and sold it for like yeah and that was it right good luck yeah and so my dad started doing uh real estate and just started doing a whole lot of venture he's a very hard-working dude he's to this day he's like 61 he works six days a week yeah right full time and it's it's insane but uh we moved to michigan and then i was there and i I was always a very introverted kid. Okay, interesting. I was uh, very introverted. Sisters? Yes, I had two older sisters, uh-huh. and my mom and my dad, and they're still together. But my dad worked a lot. I saw my dad maybe like once or twice a week because he would leave before I was up and come home after I was in bed. Uh-huh. So uh, I actually I was very introverted, and I wasn't one that would speak a lot in the house because um, you know my sisters did a lot of talking, and the times that I did get it in, I uh, it wasn't worth it so they wouldn't I was a kid I was the youngest <laughs> kid so they didn't really care of what I had to say I actually developed a stutter because of it uh, is that wrong yeah yeah and I went to a psychologist and they found out that it was because no one was letting me speak so I would just keep repeating the first word like Ken 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 until someone would listen so right it's essentially you're trying to get into the exactly so they're like oh Jeff and his stutter and like they didn't know that it was because they wouldn't listen to me and so <laughs> <laughs> that's gotta be yeah. that's gotta be a moment when they find out that news where they all feel a little sheepish. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, Ooh. And then I was diagnosed with ADD at the, around the same time I, they found out about that. And actually, because I was diagnosed with ADD, uh, my mom was like, "I think you have that." To my dad, she said oh, that. So then my dad was diagnosed with adult ADD at like forty-eight years old, uh, and so we both have that ADD. I didn't take any medication for it just because I was scared to. I was scared of what would happen to me as a, you know, as a core in my soul if I wasn't exactly how. I don't know. That's that's very. It's a it's a shallow way to look at it, especially with med- medicine is very important for a lot of people. Right. Um, I just didn't want to. I just didn't. I just told my mom. She gave me the option. She said, "I can get you. We can get you. I think it was Adderall or whatever it may have been at the time." And she's like, "Or you can say no, and we can work on it." And that's what I did. Always had a hard time in school, but I was, um, not to. I, I was I had a high it was like a higher percentile when I went to the psychologist I was in a higher percentile of intellect and uh-huh. that was my problem the problem was my mom was like you can't be dumb what's going on and that's when I found out ADD but that, that's interesting to me so uh, tell me you, you didn't go on drugs for the ADD but right. what about the stutter how did how did you deal with the stutter um, I just eventually my family started Listen. kind of patronizing <laughs> me <laughs> yeah and. <laughs> And so I became uh, someone that everyone had to listen to okay. out of, you know, fear of my development. Sure. Uh, and so I started to, everyone started to listen to me more and 
uh, my dad always liked to tell jokes when he came home from work, when he started oh, working okay. less. So whenever he'd come home and we'd have dinner, we'd have a lot of family dinners, my dad would always tell some jokes. And I loved how captivated everyone was. And he's a horrible joke teller. One of the worst, where he'll stop mid-sentence, close his eyes and go, oh, mm, oh wait, no, he wasn't in the shop yet. Uh, it was... <laughs> Oh, where? Okay. No, okay. Let me start over. Let me start over. And I was still like, oh, okay. I mean, it's my dad though. So, I, you right. know, I always wanted to listen to it. Do you have a memory? Do you have a first memory of a joke that like struck you back then? Can you remember like the first thing that you kind of, you know, found really it's funny? all racist jokes. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, when I said uh, he he liked telling jokes, I mean really horrible racist jokes. Yeah, horribly. No, not at all. It was come home in his white hood, and he'd have some new material. Yeah, I don't know where he went, but he had all these new jokes. Yeah, and he 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 was way. It was so much fluff in all of his jokes, like Uh so many unnecessary things. In retrospect, I know that now, but he enjoyed that. Like when he's the type of guy that on his birthday when he's opening presents, he'd be like, "All right, well we got this next one. What's this? This is a good wrapping paper right here. Look at this. Everyone's eyes are on him. He liked it." Um, but uh, what did you ask a question or should I just keep going? Okay, go. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll, I will ask several questions. ADD, along the line. it's, right. That's it's still there. Yeah, AD. I think you just have AD, but you've got to stutter the second yeah. thing. Yeah, <laughs> I am. Um, so <laughs> AD, I have AD. I have ADD. ADD. I've got AADD. You're in AA. What the fuck? Oh god. So when do you like you're you you've got a smart brain, but school can be a bit difficult because of the AD. It was so difficult. I actually didn't wear. I was supposed to wear glasses, and I didn't wear glasses or contacts till I. I was like 12 so I couldn't read the board I just didn't want to look like a nerd I, my <laughs> perception of myself was so important so then I'd just be squinting you're like I'm not wearing glasses yeah I'm not taking your fucking drugs and that's the downside is if you're a cool kid right you don't sit in the front uh-huh. so now I'm further away with no glasses on sure. and I can't see anything at all I even played baseball and I got hit with a ball a lot because I couldn't <laughs> see it coming yeah that happened I got hit in the head and we won a world series a uh, little league championship because I got hit in the head with a baseball <laughs> You were the Rudy of your team. I was. I, they had to, I just, yeah, I got hit. I was like that, and I just fell to the ground. I just love the fact that you were willing to get hit in the head with a baseball. I was an idiot. Then look uncool. Yes, I was. I wasn't going to be a kid playing baseball with glasses on. <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> so when does comedy, like, I mean, your dad tells jokes, but there's a difference between your dad being funny and telling jokes and of somebody thinking, you know, stand-up comedy is a thing that I'm interested in. When did you first become aware of, like, you know, stand-up comedy, like, you know, as, as you know it now? Uh, when I first, uh, the first time I remember uh, falling in love with it, I think was... Um I had I'd, I'd watched Carlin a bunch. I didn't get it. I was uh-huh. like twelve or thirteen. I remember when I was watching Carlin on HBO, and I didn't get it. And I think it was either uh, the, I know this story for sure. I was driving to Cedar Point, and a friend of mine left uh, a Brian Regan CD in my car. Okay. And then the CD was stuck in my G- in my car. Uh-huh. So I only had Brian Regan or the radio. So I just listened to his album incessantly. That's and- actually how he built his career. It's just a lot of people are like, how did Regan get so big without much TV work? And yep. it's like, well, he released this CD technology. <laughs> you, when the minute you put the CD in, you Doesn't could not get it out. And so people just kept Genius. listening to it. And you know what? He's a really funny guy. It's and if genius. you listen to him enough, you'll buy a ticket when he comes to town. We should we should like do an updated version of that where we have our jokes set automatically as ringtones on people's phones oh, for stuff. Every time you get a text message, you get a one-liner from Will. You know yeah. what I mean? That'd I mean, be that's great. That's actually not... Bet, that's a good idea. It's like, it's a little intrusive, but yeah. I think we can <laughs> <laughs> might work it out. 
Uh, okay, so Brian Regan, that's a great person. And that's interesting to me too, because you may not even see this in yourself, and I'm not sure, I'll ask you in a minute, but um, watching you perform, mm-hmm. this, is, this is the thing that I am most uh, interested in where you're at in your comedy already, okay. which is... There are some topics there that, like, well, how old are you? Twenty six or something? Twenty seven. Twenty seven. Yeah. Very twenty seven year old topics. A lot of like this sure. porn stuff, this yeah. girlfriend stuff, whatever. Which sometimes I would be like, oh well, maybe that's a bit generic. But it's you have so many lines and so many asides and so many kind of twists and unexpected lines and yeah. lines that genuinely have a and and that reminds me a lot of Brian Regan. Like oh, you know really? the fact that he his his material has always been. Like, you know, he can take a very generic topic and make it inventive with the way that he uses right. the language or the approach that he has to the thing. Yeah, and that's what I loved about it, too, is that I loved hearing things that I was, even at, you know, 16, 17, like, that is really funny. You know what I mean? He's obviously a lot cleaner than I am uh, <laughs> in a lot of ways. Right. But, but I uh, mean, that's it. One of your funniest routines is about bobby pins. Oh, yeah. Like, that's and I, it's just one of those things where I'm like, that is, like, it's great when you hear a joke. Yeah. The, the minute you hear it, you go, yes. Oh, cool. That is exactly right. Right and on. I totally get what he's talking about, yet I've never heard anybody make that observation that, before. That one I've heard stands out to some people, which is funny because I almost scrapped that joke uh, before it you know, really came to where it is now just because I was... I wasn't getting that like success rate that I wanted in it. So then I was like, all right, now let's move on to... Because I, I, I loved it. I loved the concept. I got compliments on it before it was even great. Or I don't want to say it's great. Before it was even, you know... Uh, usable and um, I I liked to I was like all right let's get some alliteration going let's get something going so that at the very least I'm making a point at the very least uh, it's funny the way I'm saying it and the anger behind it or the you know what I mean um, because sometimes yeah I'll do I'll do a joke and then I'll st- I'll just scrap it and then I realized more recently to go back to it and just try and see what else I can squeeze out of it and that's that one became that which I'm really happy about Okay, so you, you, you notice Brian Regan, you start to get interested yep. in stand-up comedy. Uh, so then where does it go from there? Like, do you go to college or do you finish school? Like, what, what, what happens? Where, uh, where, where's that part of your life? I went to community college uh, for a f- couple of years, and then I dropped – I stopped going when I started to work for a Sprint, uh, a, a preferred retailer, meaning like a guy opened a store – and he hired me. Me and him were the only ones that worked there. I was 19 years old and I was full time and I was making like, oh, just rolling in 25K a year. Right. Uh, <laughs> but that's at 19, life, oh, that yeah. is sweet coin. It is so great. Yeah. And I was still working 50 hours a week, yeah. but I was just like, yeah, this, is, this is my identity, you know, because that's all you're doing is and searching for identity. And to be honest, a few years into doing stand up as a full time job, you, you look back on those times as good times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Structure. <laughs> For sure. Weekly paycheck. Yes. Yeah, that's big. <laughs> Not having to work nights. Right. Um, okay, so you're working at this shop. You're working at Sprint, which is like a, a telephone, right? It's yes. Sprint's telephone. Yes, yeah. it's a cellular company. And uh, it was uh, the guy that brought me in was one of the most, uh, just the, the nicest guy and the most uh, extroverted person. And is that the right word for that? Yep. Like, yeah, outgoing and all that stuff. And he really taught me. He broke me out of my shell. I went into sales through him. And so that's why I learned to talk to people. And uh, I worked sales, I think, is is very difficult. Like I worked a tiny little bit in sales and always found it completely uncomfortable to be trying to sell. But 
like as a stand-up, I mean, that's all you're doing. You're right. trying to sell people your ideas. You're trying to sell people, you know, a concept that you're yes. putting forward, perhaps that they don't even agree with, but you need them to buy in that moment to kind of understand the joke. So what did you learn from sales that you've taken into stand-up? Likeability. Okay. 100% of it is that. Yeah. I Not that I need people like, I just, I just want you to like me. I'll do whatever you want. But there is this aspect of like, you know, like a self-awareness that you're like, how am I being perceived? Uh-huh. And you know, would I want to buy something from this guy? And, you know, is he being honest with me and all those things? Because you can be too desperate to be liked, right? People yes. People sense that. Yes. If somebody's like, you know, try, and I think certainly on stage, mm-hmm. if, if you see somebody up there and they're just screaming, like me, please validate yeah. me, then the audience can't like them because they're too desperate. Right. And I worry, and I always worry about that. Uh, I worry about coming off certain ways and like, because I don't, I don't want to be the guy that's just, you know, just saying what you want to hear because it's going to be relating to you. Right. But there is that aspect of, yeah, I kind of want you guys to relate to it right. a little bit. You know what I mean? <laughs> so there's a happy medium I can, yeah. I'm trying to find with that. But All right. So tell me this. You, you, you're you working at this sprint store. Yes. You start doing sales. You're getting some skills from that. Where does comedy come into this? I sold a cell phone to a comedian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, because... <laughs> oh, man. What, what, do you know what comedian it was? Yeah, his name is Steve Brewer. He's, right. uh, he headlines he, like, in the Midwest a lot of the one-nighters, and uh-huh. he does clubs and stuff. I haven't talked to him in a while, long time. But he, uh, I sold, every time I sold something to someone and I was you know, writing up contracts, I'd always ask them what they do and got to know them. And he's like, I'm a comedian. I'm like, I've always wanted to do that. And that's what you hear from a lot right. of people. And he's like, well, then here, take a comedy class. And he gave me uh, this guy's name, Bill Bouchard. Uh, I say both these names because I have nothing but great things to say about these guys. Okay, cool. uh, and I took a comedy class at Mark Ridley's. Uh, I went in, and the first day, he's like, everyone sit down, write for 15 minutes, and you're going to perform it in front of everyone. There was like eight eight of us in there. Uh-huh. And we did, and I just, I loved, I loved it. Like, I loved talking to, like, having, you're listening to me, no matter what right now. Yeah, you know? So I was doing that, and then I took the class, and like four weeks into the six-week course, He's like, do you want to do a competition? We have a spot open. And so I did. And that was my first time on stage. And I have a recording of it still. And I did really well, considering. Uh-huh. I had one joke that did not do well. But I... <laughs> By the way, really well, considering. Yeah. It should be how everybody's first gig that went well is exactly. described. Yeah. Because I, I, I often think, and I've talked about it before on this podcast, I have a bit of a theory that most of the time you do well in your first set. Because there's something about your first set and there's something about the honesty and vulnerability and the fact that you don't know what's right or wrong that right. works for the audience. But often your second set will be terrible because suddenly you take all the things that you think you know from that first gig yep. and you try to put them in the second gig, which is terrible. Right, so, right. Um, but yeah, I love that. I love that. It, it, considering. That's, I yeah. mean, that should be the thing that is like, it was good, considering. Right. I mean, it was like... <laughs> 200 people in a room yeah. full of all it was all newer comics and it was like one of those things so I I had a lot of like it was a lot of fun and I got off stage and I told my mom I'm like this is what I want to do and, and it how was, was mom with that she was very like she's always been a very supportive person okay. but I could just see her deflate a little bit right. inside when I told her because I was I was going to school for business I wanted to do business because that's what my dad did and that's what yeah. I wanted to do and then when I told her I wanted to do this I was so scared of it but I was so like happy about how scared I was of it. It was such a challenge to me and it was something that I wanted that I, the first time I've ever picked something up or did something that I'm like, 
I can give this 110%. Like I care about this so much. So I just wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote like constantly went to open mics, whenever there was, you know, was them were that there whenever they were. (laughs) Look, it's a podcast. It's free. (laughs) Not all the words have to come out in the right uh, order. Yeah. Like whenever there were, None of them did. Whenever there were one. Whenever there... Gee, that is a hard sentence though. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like you've... you've I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate I, that. I, I, do, I just do a rewrite on that. I just be like, I went to... I went to uh, open mics whenever I could. Yes. <laughs> there you go. There it is. Edit. We've just punched it up. There's no edit. So I know. I, I, I don't have time to edit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, okay. So you get excited and you start to get into it. Yeah. Now, um, in this situation, where are you living now? What's like, who, are you living at home? Are you living with friends? Like, what's, uh, I had, what's your life like? It was weird. I had just, um, I had moved in with my, me, my friend, my sister and her now husband. We all got a condo oh. and I was very bad with money and I was working uh, for, uh, Another guy besides this one, the one that I started working with that other, other store, working and managing a few of his stores like an hour and a half away. And uh-huh. I drive there every day. And then one weekend while driving there, you know, I used my debit card for everything. And I was like, my bank account was like negative $800. And I lived in a condo and my, you know, the rent was like 500 a month. And I just didn't know what to do. So I ended up, the lease was over in two months. I borrowed money that I paid back uh, from my sister and my mom. And... I moved back in with my parents and that's when I started really starting getting into comedy was when I was like, what am I doing? You know what I mean? Like what is going on right now? And, uh, yeah, I did that. I did. I started doing stand up a lot, a lot more cause I just had only money. Um, I no rent, nothing. So I just had to, I was able to just put it all into comedy, but then I got a job back with the other guy near my parents' house back again. So I just kind of, Went out on life for a little bit, then came right back to where I started, and then started doing doing comedy a lot more. And that's all I had. That's the only thing that made me feel normal. It's really interesting to me. So that's um, who were you into then? Who would be your influences? Like you know, at that time, who whose comedy were you watching? Like what were you kind of taking in? Where did that come from? What, was, what influences you? Because it's interesting to watch you on stage. Like I was trying to like I, you. You do have a very unique style really i think so oh because thank you i am that's the first time I think i've heard that, that. You know, no well because i think it's a real kind of counterpoint and juxtaposition i think that you have a lot of different you know kind of things like your your presentation in some ways could be like you know a, a next generation um jerry seinfeld or you know, john mulaney or somebody like that in that it you look like you're just kind of you know, you've got a real tightly constructed set. Everything's got really good joke structure. You're presenting you. it in a kind of like shirt and tie, clean, good looking, you know, presentable way. But there's an added complexity and deepness and okay. weirdness to it that feels to me that it's, you know, I mean, Seinfeld's almost become a parody of Seinfeld. Not to say anything right, no. about Jerry, but you know what I mean? It's like, what well, do you mean? Protect <laughs> your cell phone. Get off the phone. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> your act could be that. If oh, you sure. weren't trying to do the other things that you're doing, so I can yeah. see that influence. But where did the other thing, the in, the you know the kind of weird lines, the twists, the all that? Where does all that come from? I'll, I'll say this: Tommy John again probably was my okay. biggest biggest influence. Uh, stand up comedy two. I heard stand up comedy two first, fell in love with it. Listen to stand up comedy one, and then just listen to those two albums in set, like just constantly because I loved how many layers he added to his things and it wasn't done when you thought it was done and stand-up comedy three is even better because it's got that same 
thing. And I just always loved, you know, I lo- I just was dying listening to him all the time. And so I kind of, that's where I got my structure. That's where I kind of got, I had his cadence for a minute. Cause that's kind of something that people do is you mimic without knowing. Um, went to go I see mean, it. in many ways, I, I don't think that's necessarily a problem as long as you, you know, use your, like, I mean, there's a, every band, yeah. you know, every band there is at some stage started out playing music like their favorite band. Right. And Covers. it's how far you then develop away from that or, you know, how you make your own voice and your right. own sound out of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like longer form pieces is interesting to me because you do quite a bunch of longer form pieces. Oh, I like, do? I mean, yeah. I mean, I think like, I mean, I'd, I wouldn't, in your 20 minutes, there was like, I mean, there's really only four or five right. like major set pieces in that, which to me feels like, you know, longer oh, form yeah. structured pieces. Oh, sure. Know? Like, yeah. Cause I would, what I would happen was I would write jokes and then I would um, just chunk them together to make them seem like they're all on the same type of topic. And so some of the jokes are from two years ago uh-huh. and then I've tied in a joke that I wrote last week to that one. So oh, now this is five minutes or whatever. And cause I've always been a very analytical I'll stare at, I'll write down all the jokes I want to do and I'll stare at them and I'll just try and what's the best place to put this in and this way. Like this is the first order I've done this 20 minutes and I, I've kind of haven't been moving away from it too much this weekend just because I, it's been successful and right. I love this club and I'm just trying to have fun now because you know, it's been a rough couple of weeks. So it's just like, <laughs> now can we talk about any of that? That, sure, absolutely. Okay, so like, I don't mind. you mentioned that it's been a rough couple of weeks. So tell, yeah. I know why, but tell the audience why it's been a rough couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, I can tell you a story too. I just, I'm going to leave names out. Yep. Uh, sh- uh, my girlfriend, uh, let me give you the story of it actually. It's actually, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's very, uh, <laughs> I get hugs after the story. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, me and her were together for about a year and a half. Uh-huh. And it was going great. We're both in entertainment and she's still, she's still a great person. Um, we're just young right. and everything was going fine. Um, and we went to my parents, like my back into Michigan from mm-hmm. Chicago uh, to visit my friends and family and go on a boat and watch fireworks and all this stuff. We were having a great weekend and uh, my sister announced she was pregnant with the first grandchild of our family. Okay. So she told me and my girlfriend first and the way she did it was she had a photo album of she goes our dogs are being chosen for this magazine so we have to take all these pictures so they had like 30 pictures high quality pictures taken and halfway through the album she's holding a sonogram thing so we're like so i open it up the first thing i do is i go no and then my girlfriend was like what what is that picture (laughs) and like I was like, and I moved the next one to a bigger picture. She's like, what? It's, it's like a surgery? Like, she didn't know. And I'm like, no. And I was like, oh. And I started, you know, crying. And we hugged. And it was amazing. And then so the rest of the weekend, we were hanging out doing Fourth of July things. But then I was following my sister when she was announcing it to people. Right. And recording reactions of it. Oh, so I mean, Yeah. So it was actually really fun. And the last one was my parents' reaction, which was so great. Uh, we get back to Chicago Sunday night. Monday morning, I wake up. It's like 9, 15 a.m., uh, she's out. She has stuff she had to do in the morning. I start editing the videos on her computer for iMovie because she has right. a Mac. Her text messaging was hooked up to the computer still. And yeah, I, I, I'm not a snooper. I didn't want right. to. I even regret even finding it almost. You but know? like also already without knowing what happens yeah. next. This is like a start of like a, a rom-com. This, yeah, one day right? this will be a brilliant movie yeah. that you will write. Because the, you've got the opening scene where you get to know the couple. Yeah. celebrating this good news <laughs> with the parents. You're the lovely guy who's filming it all. Yeah. Oh, look at these guys. They're yep. in love. The sister's having a baby. They're at the parents. 
house. Yeah. You know what? I'll just edit these videos on her computer. Nothing could go wrong right. with that, right? Oh, and I didn't even know like you could do that with text messaging. <laughs> so I saw the message. I'm like, why is there text messages coming up? Uh-huh. I clicked on it. Yep. And it was just uh, her saying, please let me know what you're doing today. Uh, him responding to, okay, I'll let you know soon. So that's the text message that came in. Sure. I looked at it and they were just texting the whole, for like two weeks, just like she was texting the whole weekend. Like I wish I was watching fireworks with you. I, I forget these people's names and blah, blah, blah. And you know, she's met my family three or four times. And it was all of this stuff and all of her just being like, I miss you so much. And him just being like, I can't wait. I get butterflies. I can't wait. All of it was just like, oh, it kept getting worse and worse. And oh. so I had found out that they'd been dating and kissing, uh, and that's all I knew. Yeah. And that's all she admitted to after I had told her I had proof. Um, so I don't know if it was more or not, but right. she, she, I, I found out at nine fifteen. I didn't. I just called her and I said, "Hey, when are you gonna be home?" She's like eleven thirty. So I got all my stuff and moved it in my car. I'm walking. I'm crying, and I just called my friend. I have nowhere to go. Me and her live together. So I'm like, hey, man, uh, here's what happened. And he told, he's like, just get over here. So I went, well, actually, he wasn't home till 3 o'clock. So I had all my stuff in my car. I'm sitting at home. And this is true. I get two suitcases because I wanted there to be, like, I want, if I'm going to make, if this is going to happen where I'm going to out her, I'm going to, like, do it like a movie sequence. Like, sure. I'm going to get up, grab my bags, and walk out. <laughs> as soon as she comes in, I'm going to be sitting there, just legs crossed, like, right. And so she comes in, uh, I have the suitcases by the door, so uh-huh. hopefully when she opens the door, she sees yep. the suitcases and goes, oh no, you know? Right. She walks in and doesn't see the suitcases and just looks at me, <laughs> just like, hey. <laughs> and the only words I could muster were, how dare you? And that's, that's the only thing I said. And she's like, what? And then I was like, right, I need to telegraph this Did a little bit Did you not see more. the fucking suitcases? <laughs> yeah. They're right there. Turn around. I know. And look at my gesture. Yeah. Acknowledge my gesture. I had I had set things up. Like I threw my hangers all over the bed <laughs> so she would know it. And she came in and she was like, "How? When were you gonna break up with me?" And and we talked for a long time. And then I just I left and I stayed with my buddy. And then she had all my furniture, like my bedroom set. Uh-huh. So I was the nice guy, and I knew that she her friend was moving out. She was gonna take her furniture, and I said, uh, "Um, you can keep it." And then I just started getting too upset, and I was like, "I can't." have a date in the future planned to see you. So I need to just pick up my stuff. I'm sorry if you have to sleep on your couch, but also, you know, what you did was kind of messed up. Right. So, yeah, it turns out that maybe you've got somewhere else to sleep. So, you know yeah. what? Fuck, give me my bed. Right. <laughs> yeah. That was my thing. <laughs> At the very least, I'm. you know what? This is edited terribly, but you're not fucking someone else on my bed. That was the thing. But my other reason for wanting to, to not take it was because I didn't want her, her to not have a bed, uh, so she has to go, go find a bed. Right. But then again, I'm like, I'd rather her not have sex on my bed right. than her to do what itself. eventually is going to happen anyway. Exactly. It's the inevitable. So I got it two days before I came here, all my stuff, and it's just all my buddy's place. And I'm living, I'm going to be living with two of my favorite comedians in Chicago, so like, new chapter, whatever. it be fun. Yeah, I'm like, every day's better. But it's a hard thing to, okay, so now t- talk to me about this. I yeah. won't put my stuff on this. I want to hear what you have to say. How does, how is doing comedy, and you've talked about it a little bit, like a little bit on stage, not yeah. heaps, but you reference it in relation yeah. to, because you've got some jokes that you need to right. reference it in relationship. To, how is that? People always are fascinated by when you're going through a bad time, how do you channel it on stage and be funny and those sort of things? What's that been like for you? Uh, it was, the m- Monday it happened, 
and my buddies took me out bowling. Tuesday, I went to my friend's open mic, and um, a lot of comics knew I was going through something. Uh-huh. So it was just like a full house of comics and people, and I just, it was like I did 10 minutes. It's a four-minute open mic, and I just told the story, but I added my jokes, things that made me like feel better about it. Like well, the part where she says, I wish I was watching fireworks with you instead. I said, uh, like with my family, that would be weird yeah. if it was you two, you know? And yeah. so I had jokes like that <laughs> that made put light on it because otherwise it's just a sad story. Right. So it was so therapeutic. I mean, you should have actually cut up the video, like the, the video of all the stuff that you were doing, but with her comments down the bottom. Like, oh, God. The text oh, at the like same a, time? Yeah. Oh, God. Like in sync. And like yeah. the fireworks. It's like, I wish I was... And just like center that. Yeah. Hope you like your director's commentary. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. okay. So you, you, then you have to come here and, and do the joke. So how is that in front of you know, a room full of strangers. I mean, it's different to all your mates being there and letting you tell the story, but now you're, you know, you're just performing in a town trying to do your job and trying right. to do a good job. Well, it's all I've had. Yeah. It's, it's been the biggest help. Stand-up has been amazing. Okay. I did only my, I could not think nor write about anything else besides this for about four days, the preceding four days. So I was just only writing about that and I, I got a decent six, seven minutes from it. I'm not comfortable doing it. I don't want to slander anybody. I don't say anybody's names, but I just... I'm going to move on from it, but it was such a help and I've been performing every single night. I just need to. Otherwise, um, I just sit and stew and I, and I don't like it. And but. luckily you've come to Madison, yes. uh, which is, uh, I've never been here before and it's, here I. I, it's a brilliant town. Like I'm having such a great mm-hmm. time here. Like, I mean, I think we've come on a kind of a cool week. There was like these farmer's markets. I don't know if that happens every Saturday, but the entire Capitol Square had farmer's markets yeah. around it. And because this is like a farming area, right? like, oh, the amount of cheese and stuff I ate this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I was hungover after two shows last night. I've got up and I've just walked around and like, I ate, I would, I'd say I ate about $30 worth of free samples. Oh, I probably really? ate about 40 toothpicks by the end of my walk. <laughs> and you have to, and you have to act <laughs> like it's the first free sample you've seen all day every time like ooh, ooh what's this oh, fried I'll give it a cheese yeah I'll try it <laughs> I'll, 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 it uh, <laughs> I mean, I'll just have a little bit I'll probably come back and buy some soon I yeah I'm going to another country tomorrow come, yeah <laughs> <laughs> you can't take that on the plane but yeah, so it's a really cool town, but it's also a college town. And uh, yeah. the room has been full of some of the most attractive crowds yes. I've performed in front of in all of America. It's been like, nice. It's a stunningly attractive. How, where are you in your process? Like some people need to like, you know, throw themselves into a string of torrid one night stands. Some people are like, I've just come out of a thing and I'm, I can't quite get back into it yet. Like what's your, some people are like, I don't even want to think about talking to a girl, you know, for, for and months. That's what I was like, was that up front. I was like, I can't even imagine it. But then I've realized I miss flirting and smiling and winking. I miss that stuff with people I didn't know, a girl that I found cute. Um, so I've been I've been trying. Right. <laughs> That's a sad thing is that I'm in a point where I can just be like, oh, you know, I'm just not ready yet. But yeah. in reality, I'm trying my hardest right, right now. Yeah, I'm ready. Just uh, turns out no one else has been ready as yeah. well. <laughs> the timing. Last night, actually, uh, <laughs> these girls came out to the show and they just kept they were buying me drinks next door. Okay, and like nuts. they were they were kind of on on me a little bit. It yeah. felt nice, man. It Good. felt it felt nice to be like liked, you know. Uh, from girls in that way and I was getting a vibe and they're like we're gonna go back to our place it's like right around the corner and we'll hang out and it's all three of these girls so I'm like all right cool so we're going there and we're 
I'm it's late. It's like three a.m. Uh-huh. I'm I'm drunk, but not like I, I know what I'm doing. Right. We get there, and it's like on the way there, they're like, "How old are you?" And I'm like, "27." They're like, "Whoa!" And I'm like, "Oh no, how old are you guys?" Right. And they're like, "21." And she's like, "I'm 22." And I'm like, "Oh okay, well, that's all right though. It's fine. That's it's fine. fine." But they're at that It'd age where 27 is disgusting. Me. Yeah, I know. What do you mean? Like, I'm 41. Oh, yeah. I could be their dad. <laughs> oh, actually, you could. <laughs> My shoes are 25 years old. My shoes could buy them drinks. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you know, you're age appropriate. That's yeah. fine. It wasn't bad. Yeah. And then, but I was, I still got like, I, was, I still felt leery about it. Uh, and we get there and it's like a dorm. Oh, so we're going through these like carpeted oh, hallways okay. and like we get in there and I was on the couch and I was like, do you guys mind? Cause they're just talking and they're just talking so much. Uh-huh. And I was just like, you guys mind if I just like crash on the couch right here and just fall asleep? And they're like, okay. And I got a feeling that these two of the girls were kind of into me and kind of like, we're talking shit about each other to me when the other person wasn't there. Uh-huh. So I'm like, okay, this is kind of fun. Okay, nice. And yeah. I fell asleep and then I woke up to one of the girls. Uh, she like, I fell asleep like this, like uh-huh. on the couch sitting up, which if you didn't, it's just your head kind of ne- uh, nodding off to the side. And she's like, um, are you awake? And I was like, yeah. And then she just kissed me. And so we started making out. I'm like, okay, this is nice. nice. Like, it's a nice wake up. Yeah. I was like, drool. And uh, (laughs) I did. I remember, like, going like that, like, dude. And we started making out. And her other friend walks in and goes, Uh you're a shitty friend. And then she goes, oh, my God, I'm sorry. And then runs in after her. So I'm sitting there like, I just ruined a friendship or something. No, you didn't. The shitty friend did. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, technically, no one. But also, the other one was going to do that if the other one was there. Yeah, she maybe was like, oh. Damn it. I just missed it. The other it. one was probably just coming out to yeah. wake you up and have a go as well. And they, uh, and then she came back later and then she just like grabbed me and we kissed for like another five minutes. And then I was like, I just need to go to bed. And I just went to sleep. And this morning I woke up at 8 a.m. And I just, I bolted, walk of shame in uh-huh. what I was wearing last night, which was a <laughs> shirt and tie. and <laughs> Yeah, you would have been a little jeans. overdressed for, yeah. for 8 o'clock in the morning. So I was walking, like still a little tipsy because it was only three or four hours after uh-huh. I had fallen asleep and then I just texted the one girl I'm like hey sorry if I messed things up but thanks for letting me crash there and that's all I could say and that was the end of that okay. so when I got back I just I fell asleep in my hotel room and it was nice it did feel nice to be like that's so. nice that's yeah. good that's a good story not bad I yeah. mean I'm hoping tonight will be better right. you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> hoping tonight I don't know I've got a hotel room and I slept on a couch last night. Right. That's so. always the one. Yeah. A couch in a dorm room. Yeah. And you're a man who has a hotel room. Yes. <laughs> but there is something nice. I do like, I used to hate it, but I do like, fall, I do like waking up somewhere. I'm not usually waking up. Oh, okay. It, it's this weird, um, like, you know how you brush your teeth with your, with your opposite hand. It stimulates your brain. Uh-huh. When I wake up somewhere else, my day is different than if I wake up somewhere routine. So I do try to stay out sometimes like, Hey, can I crash here? Just because I like, getting up and having to leave. When you wake up in your own place, you don't have to go anywhere right away. That's a really interesting perspective. I'm the complete opposite. My friends know this, and people have heard this who listen to the podcast before, but for my 40th, my friend threw me a surprise party, and this is how well my friends know me. We were out at a thing, but then at midnight, the bar closed, and I'm like, oh, really? Like, it's closed at midnight? But what they had done was they had gone back to my house and they had, like, set up, like, you know, a, a bar by the pool and they had staff there to work at and they blah, blah, blah. And then everyone bust back to my place because 
all I want to do is be as close as possible to you know, my place right. and where I'm going to be to enjoy myself. Right. And there's and a certain point in a night that I will never go further away from where I live. If where sure. we're going, if people go, hey, we want to go to this thing. I'm like, right. if it's in the direction of where I'm going towards my home, fine. Yeah. If it's one meter the other way, I'm like, fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going. Oh, and that can also be because you're old as shit. You know right. I mean? <laughs> <laughs> still got it. Back. I'm kidding. Don't get it wrong. Still got it. <laughs> I would have made out with both those girls and they'd be better friends. <laughs> <laughs> they'd be friends forever. Yeah, she just comes out, sees you making out, and you're like, she just goes, you're a great friend. friend. And then just, and you're like, come on over. Yeah, come uh, on over. Spread the love. <laughs> I'm 41. My shoes are older than you. <laughs> oh, Oh God! Oh man! Well, that's that's absolutely fun. I like that. So tell me uh, what you what, tell me what you like to do other than stand up comedy. What are your interests? Like, what are you into? Like, what's uh, what do you do for fun? Do you follow sports or like entertainment or what? What what's your vibe? Um, I do like I like football when football's on. I watch a lot of football. I just started getting into football a couple years ago. Who's your team? Lions. The Lions. Yeah, Detroit Lions. Um, I bought a uh, T-shirt here in uh, Madison uh, for a, 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 a team called the Badgers. Okay. I don't know what they play. I don't know either, actually. I've sa- like I've, cause I just bought it because it had a d- giant W on it, and I thought, I'd like a T-shirt fun. with my letter on it. That's yeah, fun. Oh, yeah, that's right? your letter, too. But it was like... But that was it. And then I was like, the Badgers? I, uh, football? Basketball? I'm yeah. Not, I would, it's hard to tell what a Badger would be good at. Right. It's not... It, you know, <laughs> Just carpentry team or something. Like, I don't know. I don't even know what badgers do. Badgers, yeah. no, badgers aren't. That's beavers. Yeah, right. Honey I, badgers. Not, you're not going to call your team the beavers, are you? Surely. There's got to be beavers around, right? There's beaver teams. Is there really? There's got to be a beaver team. The beavers. Yeah, there's got to be the beavers. I'm sure at least one high school team has kids giggling at their Every time mascot. we go, yeah. please welcome the beavers. Yeah, There's, they got to have those jokes. You know what I mean? Oh, man, those beavers really got destroyed last night. You know, like something. I did see a giant novelty character down the street today because of the markets and everything. And uh, it was a giant, like a moose, but it was like a, a man in a giant moose suit or a man or a woman. I'm okay. not really sure. You couldn't quite tell. You know, sure. In a moose suit. Just a moose. But the thing was, it looked unusual. And I was like, why is that moose? And then I realized... It was for a chocolate shop, and it, it's their like, it's a chocolate mousse. Oh, the, I'm a chocolate okay. mousse. Oh, so that's what? It, okay, so it was just colored yeah, chocolate. Chocolate. Okay. That's kind of blackface, I suppose. Yeah, it kind of is a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> How do we feel? We're, we're not cool with the redskins. I'm not sure we can be cool with this chocolate chocolate mousse. Oh wow, that's great. <laughs> um, all right. So what about? Okay, I'm going to ask you a very important question for sure. this podcast. Uh, Favorite superhero? Oh shoot! Favorite superhero. Um, I mean, my first go-to is like Batman or Superman. But I oh shoot! I remember. There's a correct answer out of those two, by the way. Is well, I mean, obviously Superman is is better if you're looking at it on paper. Right, but let's um, not do that. Let's look at who's better. Batman. You think so, Batman? You think so, huh? Batman is always the fucking answer. He's cooler. Superman. Superman's an alien, firstly, so he's not even one of us. Go back to where he (laughs) came from, mate. (laughs) And B, I'm not impressed by his powers because, like, he gets them from the fucking sun. Batman had to build shit and have a cave and, like, you know, fight crime and shit. But he's just just a bunch of money away from being a guy that wants to be Batman, kind of. Like, a guy that wants to be a superhero. Well, no, he he studied with... uh, 
uh, Raj Raj Ghul, Raj Ghul. And, the, and yeah, and the League of Shadows or yeah. the League of Assassins, depending on your, you know, which uh, history of Batman. I love Batman. That's a, it, that's it's a great trick question. But is there anyone outside the Batman and Superman world that you like? Do you have a an indie superhero? Who's your kind of? Who do you have a soft spot for? You know what? I don't. I I don't. I can't. Off the top of my head, I couldn't think. I All used right, to. Okay, you might not be a superhero guy. Let's ask. What's what's your favorite movie? Tell me that. Ooh. What sort of movies do you like? What's the one that if it's always on or you would like line up first to go to that sort of thing? I just like, I, I, I love, Ooh, that's a good question too. I I'm, I'm horrible with that too. Cause I love movies. Uh-huh. I love a lot of them. I love just, I watch them a lot. Um, but I liked There's recent, no correct answer to this question. I liked Gone way. Girl a lot recently because oh, okay. um, it's just it was one of those movies that you didn't know who the villain was right. throughout the entire thing, and it didn't end in a way that most people end movies, which right. is like, here's here's this, and everything's fine now. It's kind of like a what just happened for three hours, you know? This is insane. Yeah, there is definitely an element of that movie. And that's a director. Right. The director does that. I yeah. forget his name. David Fincher. Yes, he does. He says he makes movies not to make people feel better at the end of them. He makes people makes movies to to kind of be real or whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, there is something very interesting about that film. Is I think probably the most interesting thing about that film is that you constantly feel like you're making judgments, but the movie isn't necessarily making those same judgments. Right, and it puts you in like. Because you're like, well, I definitely don't like him, or I definitely yeah. think she's the problem, or I like, you know, you have yeah. all these opinions, but then you kind of realize through the movie that the movie's just kind of presenting what happens, right? And you know, and then you start to go, oh, okay, and then the, I won't give. I mean, obviously, I won't give away the ending, but it does. You go, oh yeah, okay, yeah, I can see how this with these people, this is the ending to this film. Yep, kind of like that Hugh Jackman movie too, Wolverine. <laughs> yeah, that's that's it. Just like you never know who to root for. <laughs> I think it's the guys that always have like the evil, evil outfits. That's who right. you're not supposed to yeah. root for. The they, guys they that, gonna... Why do you have spikes on your shoulders? Yeah, What's the I, point of that? I don't think they're letting David Fincher make an X-Men film. <laughs> I, I think, That'd be great. Wouldn't it? All, we're just all the X-Men die. <laughs> they did that though recently, didn't they? But then they like went back in time or yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's exactly. Alternate universes. Oh, geez. What about, uh, okay, so what about things that are out at the movies at the moment? Like, uh, are you a person who gets excited about dinosaurs? Like, are you Jurassic World? Like, I just saw Jurassic World. Now, did you think it was terrible? Did you it think was... it was one of the worst films that's ever been made? Because that is also the correct answer. I, I don't want to leave the witness, it but it's was terrible. The worst dialogue I've ever heard in a movie. Like, hands down. Here's the thing. Some of the sequ- with scenes and stuff, I thought they were well, like, I was... Ooh, jumping a little bit. I did enjoy some of the action sequences. Yeah. But just like Chris Pratt having to just be like, what kind of dinosaurs are they cooking up in that lab? Like those cheesy lines that he had to, and even everyone else, like it was, the, here's another thing in that movie. Sorry, I had a lot of no, opinions no, about please. it immediately after I watched it. <laughs> One part of the movie. You're, you're right in the zone now. Oh yeah, this no, I'm, I'm remembering some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> One part of the movie, you know those two kids you know, that were just the most yeah. jaded kids in the entire world. Well, no, firstly, one of them had uh, ADHD, I imagine. The young, you know, sure. Like, there's a young, precocious one who knows all about dinosaurs. Yes. And then there's a, a sex creep. Yeah, who just a wants horrible, to stare. Horrible, like, don't even talk to in them. In this era of, like, catcalling, yeah. raised awareness. Yeah. Basically, you get this kid. The opening scene that you get with him is him saying goodbye to his girlfriend. The girlfriend loves sex. Which was I confusing. Right, so you're like, okay, well, maybe, maybe what they're setting up is that, like, either he'll learn to love her when he comes back, or that maybe, like, you know, that he's going to meet someone else, and that's the blah blah blah. Yeah, right? 
I wasn't sure if he was gonna miss her or not because he's like, it's two weeks, and what? I was like, is that a long time or a short time? You, how old are you? Where is this? And then like his dad was like, it's only gonna be, a, you're not going off to war, and it's like, wait, so he does love her or he doesn't? I don't. You it couldn't doesn't matter. Tell. That's a loose end. I don't even care about. You know what, what I mean? Like I don't even care about that loose end because no, it's but like, I mean, why set it up? Right. Like they spend the first twenty minutes of the film trying to get you to hate the two. Like characters that you sure. need to support. Yeah, like the little kid, the one who knows about dinosaurs, is just fucking so annoying that you're yeah, like, really? Is. No wonder you're sending him to a fucking dangerous dinosaur park. Yeah, right. Let's be honest, you're hoping he will die. Yeah, and right. Your other one's gonna become a sex pest. You yeah. are literally have like a guy who's gonna and go to college and roofie somebody. Yeah, and you're like, I'm gonna send these two kids away and hope they get killed by dinosaurs. That's kind of what I felt too, because they were going. And then, by the way, they never went over if they got a divorce or not, or if they talked to their kids about it. Remember, they're going through a divorce the whole time. Oh, no. Well, they bring that up, and I, I think at the end you're meant to believe that um, that they now are going to stay together forever because their kids nearly got killed by dinosaurs. Okay, so which is how staying together for the kids. All terrible relationships should be fixed. Right. Just yeah. You know, <laughs> I forgot. I love my kids. You never didn't love them. <laughs> Our kids almost died. We have to. We have to hate each other in the same bed always. From now on, we still have to hate each other. That's ridiculous. Get a divorce. You have a bad relationship. We, there should be like, I want to see like a 20 minute sequence of them just like making breakfast and what that's like. Those two adults. And so I'll see if you should stay together. I found that so creepy the way that they the got kid. those two kids to, like, I mean, particularly the one who was just the teenager leering at every girl. Right. It was a lot of cliche character work. But again, no payoff. Okay. None. Tell me more about what you didn't enjoy. Well, that kid was a creep. <laughs> yeah, that kid totally. was a creep. But there was one scene where like, uh, they were in that truck in the back of the truck uh-huh. and their aunt was in the front, um, which this is right after Chris Pratt was riding motorcycles with Velociraptors yep. where he was comfortable enough to ride in between them. Like, let's go boys. Even yep. though they tried to kill him the day earlier. Oh, and even though, uh, I, yeah, exactly. Firstly, he's riding with them, but B, we've watched like four other movies where we've been convinced they are the most deadly animal ever yeah. to, to exist. And now he's just riding in the middle of them on yeah. a motorbike. Yeah. On a motorbike. And also the Chris Pratt, the opening scene was, uh, it was exactly based on Mel Gibson in lethal weapon, which was just a tin can trailer on a beach <laughs> <laughs> with a motorcycle, but not a beer PG 13, a Coca-Cola. <laughs> A glass bottle Coca-Cola, which I assume would be hard to get out there in Costa Rica. But also the fact that this lingering shot of the Coke bottle. Like, I know yeah. product placement, but oh, yeah. like it's a, like it's almost sexual. Yeah. And the fact that also a dude who looks like him, the idea that he's necking, like, Coke instead of Diet Coke. I mean, that's a guy who's on Diet Coke. Yeah, right. That's a guy who's <laughs> he's eating paleo and right. watching his calories. Like, yeah. You know. And they well, he, they want to play him off like, yo, whoops, look at these muscles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How'd they get there? I don't know. I just, just had half a coke and all these muscles popped out. I guess it's just from uh, drinking Coca Cola and watching and washing my motorcycle. It right. just happens. Just. Um. But yeah, Chris Pratt, that opening thing. That's when I started to lose it. I'm like, oh yeah. And then I hated how they talked about money. They're right. having all the money problems. Well, then maybe go back to having Jeeps, not Mercedes trucks on every single, like every car was a Mercedes. Every and they had like what 300 soldiers on call on the island for in case this happens just that many soldiers are just there on the clock hanging out in case that dinosaurs right, but break also out. just seem to be hanging out right like don't actually seem to do anything what could they do goes down what do you guard what do you guard if, if not if you're if yeah it doesn't make sense <laughs> but one thing that killed me was when they were in that truck and the ant was in the front 
and they let the Raptors out, and those kids were in the back. Yep. And the Raptors came back because they found their new alpha. Yep. And for a second, because that dinosaur you found out was mixed not yep. only with a Tyrannosaurus Rex but with a Raptor. It's got and, in it. and a cuttlefish and a, and cuttlefish. a tree frog. Yeah, those are the. That's, what, that's how you made that animal. And just a little kale. Just a little <laughs> kale. Just a dash. And some celery <laughs> and a little apple for sweetness. Dash of cumin. And just, yeah, just some paprika. <laughs> <laughs> And a little Oprah chai latte from Starbucks. Yeah. I don't know. It, that just fell in. Yeah. And to be honest, that wasn't meant to be in, but I was just drinking that at the time. Yeah. And they had no explanation of oh. it. Like, there was no scientific. It was just B. Wong from Law & Order yeah. just being like, I made this for you. Yeah. And that's it. With a cauldron. Just mixing yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he's on a cooking show. <laughs> he's got a mystery box. And he's just <laughs> throwing shit in to make this new super dinosaur. Yeah. But oh. also, like, I mean, I've talked about this before, but the idea... Because the premise is the raptors are coming out and, yeah, Chris Pratt's their alpha so he can ride a motorbike with them to attack, you know, this new dinosaur, right? And then the new dinosaur does a bit of, like, you know, communicating with the raptors and then everyone's like, he's talking to the raptors, they've got a new alpha. Um, Okay, how? How is that dinosaur talking to the raptors? Because you told us earlier in the film that it's been raised in complete isolation. No social skills. Right, but also no language skills. Right. Like, language is developed. Right. Not you. Can, just because you're a raptor, you've got raptor blood in it, doesn't mean you can speak raptor. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, we also mixed in a little bit of Rosetta Stone right. with, the, uh, <laughs> with the ingredients. So the dog, it speaks raptor and uh, un poquito Spanish. Yeah, basic Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> it can communicate with the cleaners. Yeah. And, that's when they, and then it's just like a whole bunch of people with Swiffers and they're like, oh, they found a new alpha. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> oh, man. What about the Terminator? Oh, go, no, go, oh, no, that one, the one scene I still haven't finished, which yeah. is just that, uh, oh, that really when they're in that truck and they're running away, yes. and <laughs> the guy opens the door and goes, go, 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 and the raptor's like, <clears throat> and rips his head off and f- like flings yes. him away. And then they start driving, and then within like 10, 15 seconds, they take the shock thing and, and sh- hit a dinosaur with it, and it falls and tumbles. And the one kid goes... Whoa! And then leans over and goes, I can't wait to tell mom! And looks at the ant driver. And me and my buddy were like, What? You just saw a man get eaten by a dinosaur and you're over it. You're like, Oh, but that one dinosaur falling out was fun. I'm like, I can't, I can't wait! How jaded is this kid? It's all the Call of Duty, I'm telling you. <laughs> it's all that call, gosh darn Call of Duty, man. These kids are seeing it. Oh, fuck, that's funny. All right, well, we should actually finish up in a minute because oh, sure. uh, okay. we, we've nearly done an hour and we've got shows tonight. Um, how do you go with the double shows? Have you had much experience doing the, the two shows in the night? Is that something that you've done a bit? Because yeah. it's an interesting, like, backing up for that second show is always, I think, an, an, an interesting challenge. What do you mean backing up? Well, you do the first show, and I, I think the first show is always fresh. Like, firstly, you have all your energy for the first show. Yes. Uh, but firstly, you haven't also got any preconceptions about necessarily... I think it's easier to stay in the show in the first show. In the second show, you start to go, well, that didn't go as well as the first show, or that got a bigger laugh Yeah, the first show. Yep. And you can get a little bit comparison and in your own head. Plus, I think there's just elements of like, you know, uh, your energy levels and all those sort of things. Oh, fuck, you're, this is old man talk. No. What am I talking about? I'm no. like, I'm, I'm tired. No, and that's, and that's, show. I think that's more mental than it is right. physical because uh, I was just listening to, to a podcast and they were talking about, um, about how you should be exhausted after you perform. Like the guys that are still so on. Right. Why didn't you get rid of all that on stage? Why didn't you? 
get just just throw it all out there because I mean I try and bring as much energy to it but I do feel very t- mentally tired and taxed after uh, a second show um, I'm going to keep talking and I, I, I desperately need to go to the bathroom but I'm not going to stop with five minutes to go so I'm literally going to go to the bathroom okay. while you keep talking about this oh okay I'm listen to it sure it's going to be like a cool podcast absolutely thing. guys <laughs> check out my website it's jeffwatt.com um uh, Will is just, he's laughing hysterically right now in the bathroom. Um, but what I was talking about was that, uh, I, yeah, I, I, I do do a lot of shows, uh, like the double shows, Fridays and Saturdays, because um, that's what a lot of clubs, like the agency that books me, the same one that booked me for this weekend, uh, will book me for a lot of different clubs. Um, and so I get to travel and do that. Uh, summer's been pretty slow, but it picks up definitely in the winters and stuff like that. Uh, it's weird not talking to anybody. Get it back here. <laughs> Come back, Dad. The, the interesting thing about that was that I um, i don't know why I didn't turn on the light in the bathroom. You didn't. I like, didn't notice I that. was in a rush. And I, I don't know why I didn't turn on the light. And then once I got in there, I was like, well, actually, I don't want to make a noise going to the bathroom. So I'm trying to do that thing where you use the force to make sure that you're not like you're oh, yeah. in the water you and get I'm the corner. to get the side. Yep. But I'm like, why am I doing this in the dark? There is like... Oh, God. I don't want to wake Jeff up. <laughs> the... <laughs> oh, that's fine. Oh, man. Uh, it's interesting uh, to me. Uh, did you have any awareness of me before, like, this weekend? When they say, hey, you're going to go to Madison, uh, you're going to be, like, doing a feature for this dude. Had uh, uh, you, yeah, you ever heard of me? What do you do in that situation? Like, is that common for you to go and, like, you know, do... like? I do, normally. Yeah. I do look up, if I haven't heard the person, and try and look up everything about them and get an idea of what, you know, what kind of comic they are and things like that. And I have heard your name and I've heard of you before, but... Like I said, the past couple of weeks I've been out of it, so I didn't even I didn't look you up until I found out and until I got here um, and I checked in. Um, and but yeah, I hadn't. But I can say that I I love watching your stuff, man. I do. I mean, just the it's just it's constant and it's just I, even watching it again. Like a lot of it, I don't see coming, and obviously that's what a lot of comedy is. But. It's not the only that I don't see it coming, um, but I also immediately agree with it. Or, you know, I, I like especially I had a lot of friends tell me too, like the day of when I got here, they're like, I can't believe you're working with Will. Like Emily Galati. I don't know if you've ever yeah. met her before. She's a good friend of mine. And she's like, I'm so jealous that you get to work with him. He's so fun. And uh, it's been fantastic. Uh, do you ever have, because I remember on the f- first night you were saying to me, do you need me to work clean? Do you need me to blah, blah, blah? Yeah. Do you ever have people who ask you to do those sort of things? Because mm-hmm. I imagine sometimes you work with people who are just like, well, if the headliner, for example, is going to work clean, or or even if they're not, but they want to be the first person to be able to right. like, talk about those sort of topics or whatever. Yes. Do Because I don't really know. So I'm just asking, and I'm not looking for names or stories. I just as a general sense, like, do people have sort of like, you know, demands or things that they ask you to do when you're doing feature spots? Yeah. I have had that. It happens. It doesn't have. It happens less than most of the. I don't know how. Not a lot. You know what I mean. Doesn't happen a lot. Doesn't happen a lot. <clears throat> Excuse me. Doesn't happen very often. But when it does, I respect it uh, so much, and I'm like, I'll I'll do whatever you want because right. the show is is I'm just the I'm more of a warm up. The MC is like, okay, this is how jokes work, and the feature is like, this is how. <laughs> This is how like consecutive jokes work yeah. and for a longer amount of time. And then you go up there and then you you should be the best obviously the best comedian. You yeah. are the best comedian. You'll foreplay. 
What? Your, your foreplay. Foreplay, yeah, yeah, yeah. to be really good for Oh, yeah. You're meant to get them nicely warmed up. Right. Nicely ready to go. Yeah. But you're not meant to fuck them. No, I know. <laughs> I, you're right. You're right. Speaking of which, is there anything you wouldn't want me to, you want me to not do at all for the rest of the weekend? Is there anything? Uh, no, you've been a, a fantastic, and it's been really nice to watch you act. And I, to me, I... I don't want to quote examples on the podcast because I don't want to spoil it for people. But the thing that I would say is that my favorite moments, there's just certain asides or certain like, you know, almost throwaway lines. And I always admire a comic that has that sort of like, you know, that density of like punchline, punchline, punchline. And it feels like you're done, but like you almost like there's a couple of times where you'll almost throw away a line. Sure. Which I like because it's almost like, yeah, I've got so many jokes, uh, you know, yeah. but like, not in an arrogant way, but like, no. you know what I mean? Like here's like a bunch of different ideas. Yes. On this, and some of them I'll be like, this is a joke. And some of them will be like, this is just an aside. But, right. And that's yeah. what I think Chicago has taught me too, is, is to just talk is more of talking and more uh -huh. dialogue and things like that. But I do, I do do those on purpose. And most of them are for me. Most right. of them are, I, they don't have a success in it, but they do at least uh, give people an idea of who I am. Like, even if it's not funny, like when I say that one thing about like the euphemism for the iPod doc, uh -huh. for my girlfriend at the end of it I'm like I don't think it's not intended to be a euphemism and that's where the joke is and I can stop there right. and I just like for your cooch and I just yeah. walk away from it <laughs> and that does not get a second laugh but it's my way of ending it like mm, alright that's the end of that yeah. you know like and I walk and I do like those ones I do like just yes yeah, throw away I things. think you're right I think it's kind of the icing on the cake they don't work by themselves and if you didn't have a good cake in the first place but it's the thing that differentiates you from everybody else and yeah. it gives a little sense of your personality and, right. and your particular sense of humour where can people check you out where can people find you do you have like uh, YouTube clips or like is there an album or is there something that people can find yet? you know what not yet uh, I do have a YouTube channel but I have my my website is jeffwhat.com I just said that a little bit earlier uh, which just goes to my website jeffrcary.com um, and I've got you know instagram facebook twitter all that stuff i'm bad with maintaining like i do you know tweet what's you and facebook, what, yeah what's the one that you do best if facebook probably okay. all right because that's the most amount of followers i have is on facebook because that's what i tell people to do but you know because i never really got into twitter and instagram as much i do need to i absolutely do need to and i know that but if uh i have a regular show in laugh factory in chicago if anybody comes to chicago oh yeah i oh, know we have i mean we have uh, i know that there are a bunch of people who listen to this podcast from chicago because when oh, we excellent. did shows in chicago it was probably the most people i've ever had come out specifically going here's the thing about chicago and let's quickly talk about this please before we go. i i had never been until i did shows at uh, zany's last yeah. year and i had such a great time there good Firstly, the city, I think, is amazing. Like, yeah. <clears throat> I just really had a like, great time in the city. But the second thing was the comedy fans in Chicago, they are one of the most comedy literate audiences. Like, yes. I would just have people come, you know, to the shows who knew, you know, they'd know you from other podcasts or even there were some people who were saying, oh, yeah, no, we just know you because we follow the lineups at shows in LA and stuff. Like, they're fans of comedy oh, right and on. they want to know who's on what shows and whatever. And they see your name and, and they came out. So... Uh, we, so I know we have a bunch of listeners, so tell people about cool. the Chicago. Uh, yeah, I run a show at Laugh Factory, which has been the biggest help for me moving to Chicago was Laugh Factory because they book only local for most of the weeks. Uh -huh. um, so they book like six comics per show. So I'm there on the weekends a lot if I'm not on the road. And then Wednesdays I have a show called Social Takeover where we do stand-up for 45 minutes. And then for 45 minutes we drop down a projector and take over people's Facebooks in front of them. Like in front, they sit down underneath it and in front of their whole audience we mess with their lives and pretend to be them. And it's... 
hardest I laugh every single week. It's my favorite thing. That and sounds awesome. It's very fun. Uh, and then I run a show on Thursday. I've been running for a couple of years now. Um, uh, at, at, it's like an underground place, and we just have had a lot of we've had a lot of guys come through, like who are in town, just to do the show because we get sixty people max. But it's like standing room, and it's like just intimate and it's fun and yeah and that one's called this week's show and there's that's our twitter and all that stuff is just this week's show in chicago okay that's really cool and um i uh, any other gigs coming up that you want to mention um you know what off the top of my head i don't know i'm okay. not, I'm not I can find any, it on your website sure right? yeah yeah i'm gonna yeah Okay, um, I'm just going to yeah. g- quickly uh, give a plug to some gigs I'm doing. Uh, Toronto, Monday night at the Comedy uh, Bar. I'm doing two shows. Uh, look, they're just for JFL pass holders. So if you've got a pass to JFL in Toronto later in the year, you can come and see my show for free on Monday night. I'm doing two shows in a row. So there'll be an 8 o'clock show and there's a 9.20 show. Uh, but I know there are some people who aren't JFL pass holders who've been hitting me up because it's my first time in Toronto and saying, hey, we want to come and see the show. Uh they tell me that these things, even if they do sell out, you know, from the pass holders, there's always on the night, you know, some spots left. Uh, they will be selling tickets at the door on the night. So if you're desperate enough or if you want to take the risk and kind of come and just go uh, take a punt on it, chances are you'll probably be able to buy a ticket at the door. So that's on Monday night in Toronto. Then I am in Montreal all week uh, doing a whole bunch of shows. I'm doing... Uh, I'm doing. I'm hosting a couple of things. I've got my own show, Free Will, on the Saturday night, July 25. That's one that I would love you to come and see. I'm doing Jeff Ross's roast battle. I'm doing. Awesome. I'm not even a roast person. Like my my humor's not even really particularly roasty. But sure. They asked me to do it, and I often I'm like. Sometimes I like to do things that I don't think I'll even be that good at, but just to kind of push myself. Yeah. Have you done it? Have you ever like written roast jokes? Never written a roast joke. Uh, never done fun. a roast. Because you can do them with a polite. The, you can you can do them a little i mean i've done I've, i love doing roast jokes and like monologue jokes and stuff i love because uh-huh. it's like you get to you know get the small all the words out as quick as possible you can also be a little malicious but with a wink on it is uh-huh. not bad you know okay. i like roast jokes I that's love good roasts. that's good advice but anyway i'll be doing that it's a competition so basically on the first night there's 16 people or whatever and then like the second night it's down to eight or i don't even really it's know fun. how it works I can't imagine I'll be around by the second night, but I am doing the first night, so you can come and see that. That'll be fun. Uh, so a bunch of those shows, and then, uh, of course, Sydney and Perth, uh, they're selling pretty quick back home. So if you want to come and see those shows, I'd get in quick for those ones. Uh, LA Podcast Podcast Festival is on sale uh, September 18th through 20th. Uh, Charlie and I will be, both be flying over from Australia to do the LA Podcast Festival again, so also check that out. Hey, uh, Jeff. Thanks so much, yeah. mate. It's Thank been you. an absolute pleasure to have this you on the so podcast. Great. And uh, it's been an absolute delight to have you doing a feature for me all week. And uh, hopefully we'll get to work together again soon. Yeah, great. Yeah.